Thank you for listening to the Fearless LA podcast. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. We're going into this, uh, this moment for our church, and I, I really feel like it, it, hopefully it will be a moment for you. And the first time that God called us to fast as a church, um, I, I didn't know if I wanted to do that. Because I remember growing up and when people would do church-wide fast, a lot of times it wouldn't mean anything for me because I just did it because I was supposed to. And so when, when God really spoke to me to do that with our church, I, 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 I was hesitant in, in, in beginning that and in doing that because I, I, I hate religion. And I hate when we do things just because we're supposed to do it. I want us to capture the power and the purpose of fasting if we're going to do it. Um, and I had, uh, you know, up until I was maybe like 25, I had never really fasted. And, and then I began to do the church-wide fast with our, with our church. And then God began to call me to private fast. I think probably before you ever do a private fast, a good place to start is in a, in a church-wide fast. Uh, not because one is better than the other, but, but a fast is a difficult thing. Uh, you know, let me just say it this way. Fasts aren't fun. <laughs> No matter how, if someone tells you that fasting is fun, just, just walk away from them. They're weird. They're strange. You do not want to have a relationship with them. They, they are some, they're one fry short of a happy meal. Because fasting, not eating, and, 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 and pulling yourself away is not fun. In fact, the fast is not the top of the mountain. It's the climb. It's, it's like if you were to climb uh, the Hollywood sign tonight. And, you know, all the way up, you're like, this is going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. This is gonna... And then about halfway through, you're like, this is horrible. I mean, this is, this is more than I signed up for. But by the time you finally get there, if you don't quit, if you don't give up, the view from the Hollywood sign is worth the journey up the sign. Amen? Have you ever been there? If you've ever been up to Griffith Observatory, you're like, wow, this is L.A.? I like this place. You know, if you get up there, the smells are different. The, the, the air is different. The, the, you can see further. But it's that climb up that it takes to get to that top. And, and I really believe that fasting is that climb. So, so if you're looking for fun from fasting, you're, you're missing the purpose. Because the, the fast is not the fun. The fun is when you get to the top of the mountain and all of a sudden you're given new eyes and new vision and fresh fire from the Lord and you can see further and you're in the same place, but it smells different. You're in the same place, but the air is different. You're in the, you haven't changed locations. You've just changed elevations. And so, so I want to encourage you, if you've never fasted, don't wait till you're 25 to do your first fast. I'm telling you, if I could go back, I wished in high school when I was struggling with identity and, and if this, you know, the first girl I dated was because I just, it was the first one that liked me. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like, wow, this is my wife. It was like, oh, she likes me. Okay, let's do this. Right? I mean, and it, and it was all about insecurity in my life. I didn't know who I was. My friends were built. I wonder if in that moment I would have found myself not in my clothes, not in my sports, not in my girl but I would have found myself in who I am in Christ if my whole high school years would have been different. I just encourage you, junior high, high school, whatever age you are, whatever status you are, wherever you're at in your life, some of my heroes of faith that just went for God, I mean, did incredible things for God. Some, some of the people you read about that, that they would pray and 
Dead people got out of coffins. I mean, that's, that's incredible. They would pray and the sick would be healed. They, they've seen thousands saved. Some of those people, you look to them, you go, man, how did they do it? I'm having a hard time reading my Bible through the year. I mean, I got through Genesis. I was doing great. Then we got to Exodus and then do. Deuteronomy stopped me. I mean, it, it put a hold on my life. And we're trying to, and numbers, numbers. <laughs> I just skipped numbers. I just skipped that month. How do they do it? How do they go for years and know God? And I, and I heard one great man of God said, every time I started feeling like God was distant, God didn't love me, that my fire was burning out, I didn't want to worship, that I didn't want to go and read my Bible, every single time I threw myself into a fast at the mercy of God, and that fire was lit in my life again. I'm just telling you, if you came to the end of 2019 and you're like, man, I don't even want to dream again. I don't, I don't have any hope. I don't have any faith. I don't even know if I could step out. If you're feeling depressed when you go to sleep and depressed when you wake up, this is a good time to throw yourself into a fast and say, God, as for me and my house, I'm going to see some change this year. See, I'm, I'm really believing from, from youth to, 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 to college students to, to married couple, I'm really believing we all need some breakthrough in our life. I'm believing that no matter where we're at, no, no matter if you're a struggling artist or you're one that's made it, you need some breakthrough in your life. Whether you're dreaming of a business you're going to start or you're already running that business, we need some breakthrough. And I know that breakthrough only comes through prayer and fasting. Just as, as, as studying sharpens your mind. You know, my kids, we're constant. My kids got more homework than, I mean, I've never seen so much homework. They get home from school, I think, well, they should be able to play. They should be able to go outside. And my daughter's got 14 pages of homework. I don't understand her homework. I'm trying to figure out the math problems, and I, I wasn't good at this, and I'm crying in the corner. Just, <laughs> and, and my wife's like, she has to do it. In fact, on break, on their Christmas break, they got a, my daughter got a packet this big, and I said, Honey, why? She's seven years old. Come on. She's not in college yet. And she says, honey, she needs to keep her mind sharp. The more repetition she does and the more, the more problems that come at her and the more situations she solves, the sharper and faster her mind gets. And as study sharpens your mind, prayer sharpens your spirit. Come on, if, if, you, if you want your spirit to grow, it's got to go through some, you got to face some problems. you got to face some situations in the prayer room. When you begin to learn to pray, you become a powerful person. You become a threat to the enemy's kingdom. My, my father-in-law, um, Christy's dad, my wife's dad, he had a massive uh, heart attack. And we got the call on, on her birthday. We were out on her birthday on a trip, and he had a heart attack and literally died when he had the heart attack. In fact, on the way to the hospital, he died eight times. We flew to, to NorCal where they live and my wife was told to pack a funeral dress that we were gonna have to say goodbye to her father. It was an instant thing. We were just talking to him on the phone an hour before that and, and now out of nowhere he drops dead of a heart attack. He's on life support. He's, uh, he, he's, uh, he's in a, they put him in a self-induced coma because his brain was swelling because he didn't have any oxygen to his brain for anywhere from five seconds to 45 minutes. They didn't know. And so they're saying, hey, if, as soon as we pull him out of this coma, 
he's, he's like brain dead. Even if he makes it, he's brain dead. Machines, 20 different machines were running his body. In fact, the doctor that was on a call that night had given up all hope that he would live and, and didn't even do the, the, some of the details that he would need to have if he were to live and had given up. And thank God there was a doctor that goes to his church. He's a pastor of a church that came in that night and started running shop and plugged a machine in without asking and said, no, my pastor's going to live. And then started showing videos of her dad, who's very strong, even though he's older. He's showing videos of him doing upside down push-ups on his birthday and said, this man deserves to live. And so the nurses started getting hope that maybe he was strong enough to make it through this. But the doctor just kept telling us he's brain dead. There's no way he's going to live. There's no way he's going to wreck. He won't have his personality. He won't recognize us. And so we just began to say, we said, but you don't know our Jesus. And we just kept praying. We just kept praying. We just kept praying. In fact... To this day, uh, we still don't know how it all happened, but a miracle happened in a week's time. He woke up from that coma. He began to speak. He knew us. Uh, he began to have full speech. In fact, today, he just got off his last thing, dialysis, what they said he would never get off. His kidneys woke up. He, is a, he, he, he fully resurrected from the dead. They're off all the machines. He's alive, well, and talking. The first thing I asked him when, when I saw him and he was coming out of this and he was able to talk, I said, what was heaven like? Because they told me you died. What was heaven like? And, and he, said, he said, well, and he was still on drugs because they had all these drugs running in him to, for the pain. He said, well, I saw Jesus and he told me that I could not stay and I had to go back because there was work for me to do. I said, oh, wow, that's cool. And he goes, so I punched him. I said, what? I mean, he's on drugs. He's just, you know, just had a heart. And I'm just like, oh, really? Okay. You punched him. You punched Jesus. You punched Jesus. He said, yeah, I just clocked him. And he said, and then Jesus punched me back. And he said, I ended up in this hospital bed. I said, well, that's unique. I guess the drugs are talking tonight. And so a few weeks later when the drugs were gone, I asked him again. He, said, he didn't remember he told me that. I said, it was pretty awesome. I wish I recorded you. Yeah. And he goes, no, I don't remember that. And he said, but I do remember being in this cold, dark room. And the, all I can know about this room was it was, like, it was like the room of death. And death had me wrapped in this room. And I was awaiting meeting God, going before God and being judged and be either the gates of heaven opening or being cast into judgment. And he said, I was sitting in this room and it was cold, it was dark, I was alone. And I was waiting to go to, to meet Jesus, to be judged by Jesus. And he said, if I would have left that room, I think I wouldn't have been able to come back. That was it, that was the line, go, go through into heaven. And he said, but in that room, there were windows and doors. And on the windows and doors, I could hear these voices beating on the windows and the doors yelling to death to let me go. And he said, I had the understanding that death could not hold me in the midst of these powerful prayers. And this is the kind of church that I want to be. This is the kind of Christianity I want to have. I want to have Christianity that has authority over death. I want to have, I want to have prayers that have authority to move big things. When I get in big situations, I want to have the power and the passion to believe that I serve the God of the breakthrough. And I want to believe for that for a church that we have. Amen. Joshua 24, 14 says this. It says, now fear the Lord 
and serve him with some faithfulness. It's not what it says. It says what it says. To serve him with what? What does it say? Fearless youth? All faithfulness. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness and throw away the gods of your ancestors. Worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors who served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, come on, if you know it, read it with me. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on, I'm, I'm believing that a whole group of people will say as for me and my loft, as for me and my apartment, as for me and my dog and my other dog and two cats down the street, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, if, if there's something under my house, I'm going to take authority tonight and say at the first of my year, I'm giving my world to God. And I'm not just giving some of it to God. I'm giving all of it to God. In fact, I'm cleaning up the house and I'm removing the idols. I'm removing the extras. And I'm saying, God, you belong in this house. Now, there is only one moment where we see Jesus coming in and being a cleaner. There's only one moment where he comes on call to the house and starts cleaning the house. This, the moment where he enters the temple, you know about this. They're in the temple and there are people selling things in the temple and they've made a run of the temple and Jesus comes in, not, not happy Jesus, not smiling Jesus. In fact, he makes some whips out of some cords. He finds that he's driving people out. I mean, this is a crazy Jesus. And he, gangster Jesus. And he comes in and he starts, he starts, he starts whipping the cords. People are like, what's happening? I mean, church security's going crazy. And Jesus starts flipping over the tables of the people selling religion, selling relationship. He's flipping over the tables and he's angry. He's frustrated. He says, my house will not be a house that is like this. My house shall be called a house of prayer. He flips over the idols. He flips over average. He flips over religion. And he said, I'm breaking through the lines. God is not building a house so you can build a house. He's building a house so he can be invited in and for relationship to flourish. And so church, I'm telling you, you are the house of the living God. God wants to come into your house at the beginning of this year and he wants to flip over the idols that we've allowed. He wants to flip over the religion that we've allowed to take place. And he says, come on, this will be a house of prayer. This will be a house. You know what prayer represents to God? Communication. You know what prayer represents to God? Talking to me, hanging out with me, spending time with me. We know the Bible says that, that wherever your treasure is, your heart will be. You know, usually we use that as a, as a, as a, as a scripture for offering. You know, hey, come on. If you, if you put your treasure here, your heart will be here. And I, and I think that's a great way to use it. But to me, my treasure is not just my money. In fact, I could give a rip about money. We have treasure in many things. My treasure is really my time, my talent, and my finances. All of them are my treasure. When I begin to put my treasure in his house, the things that I've stewarded in my life, then I begin to see breakthrough in my life, and my heart follows it. I don't know if you've ever asked your heart to follow God, but it, it, it has a hard time doing so. Be careful if you, you say things like, I'm just following my heart. 
Because your heart will lead you to some bad places. But when you begin to say, God, I'm going to take what I love and I'm going to put it in your house. I'm going to I'm going to put it in your in your in your in your lap, in your hands. I'm, I'm going to take it. And, and we talk about in the New Testament. We talk in the Old Testament. We talk about tithing, taking 10 percent of all your increase and saying, God, I'm going to give it to you. We, we do this with our finances. Maybe we do it with our talent. Some people come and they serve. You know, they, they, they usher, they, they help other people, and they, they, they become a servant leader. But rarely do we give God even 10% of our time. You know how much 10% of your time is? Think about it. If we have 24 hours in a day, do the math, how much is 10%? Two hours and 24 minutes. When's the last time most Christians gave God two hours and 24 minutes? When's the last time most pastors gave God two hours and 24 minutes? I'm not trying to be religious on you. I'm just saying if we're going to tithe with our finances, how foolish is it to tithe with our finances, to tithe with our talent, and not tithe with our time? We should at least start with a tithe. We should at least say, God, I, I, I don't know if I can do two hours and 24 minutes, but at least let me do an hour. At least let me give you some time. Fasting is us saying, God, you know, I'm going to take some time I would have spent on other things, and I'm going to spend it on you. I'm going to spend it in your presence. I'm going to spend it seeking you. Can you imagine with my wife? They said, honey, it's going to be awesome. We're having an awesome marriage. It's going to be incredible. I'm going to buy you stuff, and I'm going to give you my talent. But I'm not going to spend any time with you. I would not be a husband. I'd be a sugar daddy. And we would not have love. Because love spends time. My wife would say, thank you for the new ring. I'm appreciative of the new dress. Thank you that you got up and served me. But I want to talk to you. Can we just hang out? I want more than your gifts. In fact, I got enough gifts. Thank you for all this. I just want to talk. And my wife likes to talk. Can we just talk? And sometimes, you know, as a man, it's the hardest thing to give. It's easy to give money. It's e Look, people don't break up because they didn't get the gift. They break up because they didn't spend the time. Maybe our relationship with God needs more than our money, our servant, Maybe our relationship with God needs to start and focus in this first year on our time. Maybe before we go dream 2020 vision, we need to get a new vision of him. Maybe if we get to the 2020 vision, we won't have the courage to even walk it out because we haven't seen how he sees us. When we start getting in his presence, it changes. You cannot get next to God and be the same. Let me tell you this. God is speaking over you right now. He, he, he loves you right now. He accepts you at 10 right now. Say, how, how much are you accepted by God? Someone go, ah, right now? <laughs> like right now, right now? Can you give me 10 minutes? Because right now, right now, I'm like a five. But that's not biblical. Because you're not accepted by God based on you. You're accepted by God based on what Jesus did for you. But we forget that. We, we, get, we, get, we, we start hearing other frequencies. We start hearing other things. See, I really believe prayer is the thing that recalculates you and recalibrates you. I believe that God is talking right now over you even if you don't hear him. 
It's funny how sometimes people can see great things for your life, but you can't see it. And you're like, man, God has so chosen you. Man, God is all over you. You're like, I just don't hear him. I don't know that he loves me. Isn't it funny how one person can hear God and another person's like, dude, I don't hear anything. And then you start going, maybe they're just like, I don't know, maybe they're making it up. Because if I were to say that, I would be making it up. The Bible says that day after day, the stars are pouring forth speech. When God, when God said, let there be light, that word and the wording there, it sounds more like this. Let there be light, 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 light. God's word is literally holding up the light. God never stops speaking. When God speaks, it keeps moving. It's a, mo it's a word that moves. It's alive. The word is so alive, it became flesh. Do you understand? God's word is alive. So God's word over you is alive. God is speaking over you right now, even if you feel like a failure, even if you, and here's why we got to fast. Here's why we got to pull away with God, because I got to hear that. Because I've been hearing your crap over me. I've been hearing your rejection. Over, I've been hearing my own lies over me. I've been hearing nothing and void. And I feel like a failure. And I'm going to quit here. And God goes, don't quit here. I've been speaking truth over you. I've been speaking love over you. I'm speaking over you right now. But you got to tune in. Notice Jesus kept saying this after every sermon. He with ears, let him hear. Why do you say that? Because half the people there didn't hear what he was really saying. This is what I want to tell you today. God's saying it again. He with ears, let him hear. God is speaking over you. He's chosen you. The best way I can describe it is, is my friend with the radio. Come here. Come here. You've seen one of these? I know you haven't, but remember these? What are you listening to, Jeff? Somebody say amen. Lord, give me a double anointing. Listen, you can get your anointing. You can get your anointing back. Come on, somebody. Then I discovered podcasts. All the best podcasts are on this app. Totally free. The iHeartRadio app. Brown paper bag like the lunch packed up. Back, 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 back up. Back. I'm gonna need like 10 feet or get stomped out with 10 feet. I'm Listen, this is what most of us are hearing. Now, how funny is it when I tune this station, all of a sudden the noise starts, the, the radio starts. See, but you know that's not how it works. Don't let me down. You know what's funny is that this is exactly how it works with God. The frequencies are going, whether you hear them or not. There's an antenna that connects to the frequencies. And when you begin to tune in, you hear something that was already there. See, here's what fasting will do for your life. It goes from being off. God, I don't hear you. And God's like, I'm broadcasting. I'm sending things to you. But you got to lift up your antenna. 
called fasting. You got to tune in and I have a word for you. I have a word for you that will break the word that your parents spoke of. I have a word for you that will break the word your boss. I have a word for you that will give you courage. I have a word for you that won't let you get depressed anymore. I have a word for you that will change your life. But you got to begin to tune in and say, God, I'm, I'm not, I don't want static anymore. I'm going to take some time. I got to, look, we're, we're going around. We're going crazy. We're doing life. We don't got time for that. No, you don't got time not to do that. We don't got any more time for static. We don't got any more time for in-between channels. I don't have any more time for anybody else's word over me. I need God's word over me. I need God's word over my family. Amen. Thank you, Jeff. I need it. I, I need it. I need it. I need to turn myself upside down. As your pastor, I need it. As a father, I need it. As a husband, I need it. As a dreamer, I need it. I don't have time to not fast. When we fast, we pull away from people. See, fasting, people do fasting in our, in our world. I mean, people do it all the time. Uh, you know, you go down to the local Whole Foods and they have whole sections. Here's how to fast. There's a water fast. There's a fruit fast. There's all different fasts. And those fasts are literally to clean out your system. In fact, Devon, my coach right here, because of Devon, I can no longer wear normal jeans. He's giving me those CrossFit thighs. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. And, uh, and so Devon tells me about, hey, if you really want to see results, you got to do intermittent fasting. And, and, and so, you know, he's telling me there's an app where it will help you. And so I said, well, Devon, what's that for? He said, it's going to clean out your body. It's going to clean out your system. It's going to reset your system. And so, so this is what fasting does to your body. But we don't want to end with eating different only. We want to take that time we would have eaten with others and we want to say, okay, God, I'm going to sit down at a table with you because that moment is going to reset your soul. It's going to put, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to recalibrate your soul. It's going to, it's going to take the toxins out. It's going to, it's going to reshift everything you thought was important. All of a sudden you're going to have a new what's important. You know, people say all the time, well, you know, if it's God's will, if it's God's will, if it's God's will, that's a person who doesn't pray. Why? Because if you're in prayer, you start knowing God's will. Right? If it's God's will, you know what that is? That's, that's scared world, words from a person who doesn't pray. And, and I've said it, you've said it, because we don't know. So we haven't been in God's presence. But when Jesus would get in, you know that Jesus never did, when he's, when he's calming the storm, he didn't get out on the boat, he's like, well, God, if it's your will, let this storm just kind of, your will works out. You want to be healed of blind? Well, if it's God's will, it'll happen. <laughs> Aren't you Jesus? <laughs> Can you find out right now? Because I need to know right now. But Jesus would spend so much time in God's presence that he already knew the Father's will before the problem came. He looked at the storm and he said what? Peace be still. His prayers looked more like commands than they did begging. <laughs> what if we started getting a prayer life like that? What if, we, I mean, I, I'm not there yet. I'm the pastor of this church. But what if we spent so much time with God during this fast that we started having boldness that when something came along that wasn't God's will, we already knew it and we didn't have to pray about it. We didn't have to spend 10 more days. We just said, in the name of Jesus... 
peace be still. No, no, uh, that door is opening in the name of Jesus. Uh, that door is closing in the name of Jesus. No, that's unlocked. No, sickness, you're not having me today in the name of Jesus. That is when we begin to commune with God, our wills line up with his will. Look, when you pray, motive matters. When we pray, motive matters. John 4, 3 says this. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. That you would spend what you get on your pleasures. You know what happens is if we just come to God with a whole bunch of ask, we miss the power of prayer. The power of prayer is getting with him, finding out who he is and who we're not, and going, God, I really don't care what I want. I want what you want. Did you know what, God? I'm not just going to ask from my will. I'm going to ask for your will. And when we begin to ask like that, we can move the sun. We can move mountains with our prayer. We can be able to, God, when, we, when we prayed over Pastor Glenn, I had an urgency in my spirit that God was not done with Pastor Glenn yet. And exactly what he told me, how he punched Jesus and Jesus punched him. That was what I had in my spirit. God said, you still got work to do. And when we prayed over him, we prayed with authority. We prayed with passion and said, God, if you would just do it, if it would just be your will, let him not be dead. We begin to pray in Jesus' name. He shall live and not die. Our prayers looked more like commands. What if you could have power in your prayer? What if your prayers could look more like commands? Only comes through prayer and fasting. Fasting is not some superpower. It's getting with the superpower. Fasting is removing ourselves. Look, when we eat, I don't know if you're like me when you eat, but when I, when I eat, I don't like to eat alone. Do you ever feel weird? If you don't feel weird, that's fine. You're really way cooler than me. But when I eat, I just feel awkward because there's always another chair there. I mean, even if I eat alone, I'll get on Instagram. And just pretend like I got friends. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Go live. Take pictures of my food, right? Try to find someone I know in the restaurant. Because I don't like eating alone because I feel like I should be eating with somebody. There's something about eating that, that makes me feel like I should be with somebody. See, when you fast, what we're doing with our food, that same time we would have spent eating with somebody, it's a reminder to, you know what? I'm going to spend this time eating with God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to just clear my moment. I, I, don't need to, I don't need to go out with a whole bunch of people. Right now. I'm not going to get on Instagram right now. I'm not going to check my feed right now. I'm not going to check on the Twitter machine right now. I don't need to know what's trending. I, I need to know what's trending with you. I need, I need to know what's happening with you. I need to know what you're thinking. I, I can't wait. It's, and part of communication is not just talking. It's listening. You know, sometimes we come to God with our list. Here's my list. Boop, 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 boop. And God's like, okay. If you would let me in on one word, I would change your whole world. See, we got to pray long enough that we run out of things to say. <laughs> you got to get to that awkward place in prayer where you're like, what do I do next? And God's like, don't do anything. You've been doing stuff this whole time. Give me a second to talk. So what if, what if I don't hear him? What if you do? You say things like, God, just speak to me right now. And wait on him. Is he worth waiting on? I mean, one word. If one word gets in you, it could shape the next 20 years of your life. Is that one word waiting and taking the risk 
that you may not hear or you may get. Who cares? Wait on God. Open your heart to God and say, God, when we fast this, this thing, we're going to do a 21-day fast, and uh, we call that a Daniel fast. It's really because this guy named Daniel, who was really a G at praying, who went after God with, in prayer, he, he did this thing called a 21-day fast. He didn't call it a Daniel fast because he was Daniel. And so he did this fast, and, he, and, and in his nation, he was called upon to be a, a helper to the king. And all the other helpers, a lot of them served other gods, other idols. And Daniel, when he got his food, he said, I don't want any food that's been offered to idols. And so that was all the meat. And so all he had left was vegetables. And he said, okay, well, I'll eat the vegetables. And at the end of 21 days, I'll be just as strong as the other men. And guess what? Daniel was just as strong or stronger than the other men. He was a witness to the king. And so why we do this 21-day Daniel fast is to say, you know what, we're going to get rid of the pleasures that we think we have to have. And we're going to take a moment with God. We're going to eat this diet of vegetables. And, and, and thank God we're not doing a water fast. <laughs> thank God we're not doing a no water fast. The only people who did that was Moses. And he lived somehow. I don't know. But we're saying we're going to take 21 days. We're going to reset our lives. Every noontime, we're going to go live from our offices with prayer and worship. So at noon, we're gonna be on the Facebook machine right there in the middle of everywhere. You can share it with your friends and get on there with us. Get on your AirPods, get it wherever you're at. Stop what you're doing and just take a moment at noon and we're gonna to commune together as 